0: Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people just like you, with real stories just like yours. And this is one of their stories. I am your host, John Katsavos. My guest today is Sheila Carroll, MD from Sheila Carroll, MD Coaching. Uh, She is a board certified pediatrician and obesity medicine physician, as well as a life and weight coach. She works with parents who are struggling to keep their kids who are contending with extra weight and helps design a healthy lifestyle that they love. With That includes nutrition, sleep, movement, emotional regulation skills, so every member in the family can thrive. She also focuses on improving overall health and well-being for everyone in the family, not just the weight of the child. This episode is jam packed with a lot of you uh, amazing content that uh, amazing value bombs that uh, Sheila or Dr. Carol um, uh, gave us. Uh, I could have easily spent another two three hours with her just talking about like different topics, but in this episode we focused mainly on um, modern food in versus the ancient human body that we have and how it's um, kind of creating a. Rift between the two uh, pair, the jobs of the parents and the jobs of the kids, the parent, the, the parental, uh, the parent as a role model uh, and we get into teenagers and how that challenging aspect of their lives can kind of stir them and deter them and m- m- mold them in different aspects for their adult life and we also talk about sports and influencers on on teenagers so this is a really good episode for you guys to listen to i know you guys are gonna get a ton of value out of it but before you go what i want to do is i want to ask you guys a quick question are you guys ready to take your life to the next level Join the fitness oracle newsletter today and get exclusive access to a wide range of exciting perks as a subscriber You'll be the first to know about our new episodes and you'll get early access before the release to the public, but that's not all. You'll also receive one, a one-on-one call with me where we will discuss your fitness goals, your life goals, and how we can help you achieve them. And you'll get free access to our private community where we hold community calls to talk about the episodes And how you're applying the lessons in the episodes to your life. But that's not all. As a member of our exclusive community, you'll also get access to some exciting programs that we're about to launch. So you can continue your journey towards fulfilling your life. So join the Fitness Oracle newsletter today and start your journey towards a happier, healthier you. Sheila, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, thanks, John, for having me.
0: How's uh, How's Maine? Uh, I've never been there before.
1: Oh my gosh, it's Maine is lovely. It's a lovely place to live. Today we're getting a torrential downpour. Expected to have a lot of rain in the next couple of hours. Um, but in general, you know, I was born and raised here in Portland, um, and I still live in Southern Maine but we're right on the water. We're not far from the mountains. We've got a ton of nature and um, space. And ah, I just love it. I love it here. I feel at home here. So
0: that's awesome. That's yeah, you awesome. should
1: visit. It's so good here.
0: One day, one day I will. Yeah. One day yeah. I will. Um, I I always ask my guests when I first kick off the show, uh, what got you interested in this line of work that you do?
1: Two things I think I'm I'm a pediatric doctor, so I'm a, I've been a physician for 23 years, so I've always been interested in children's health, helping children, helping families, um, and and at the same time I've been a person who's uh, struggled with my own weight and um came to coaching a few years ago, found coaching a few years ago, and found that to be number one, a solution to understanding why I was overweight, helping me lose weight, helping me maintain my weight loss, and help me kind of up level every other aspect of my life as well. So trying to combine pediatrics with coaching is a little challenging because coaching requires the ability to Think about your own thinking, that meta skill of uh, thinking of your own thinking, that requires a a developed prefrontal cortex. And our kids do uh, do not have a developed prefrontal cortex. That's something they will have down the line and they're getting it more and more. But for all humans, it's not fully developed until 25 or 26 years old so asking a a child even a teenager sometimes to really have the ability to think about what they're thinking about you know because with coaching what we're really doing is looking at our thoughts what thoughts are we just having cuz we all have very automatic thoughts like the neuroscientist experts tell us we have about 60,000 thoughts a day so it's just this super highway of of thoughts coming coming from our brains. Not all of those thoughts are accurate, true, believable, helpful in any way to us. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're great thoughts that we wanna latch onto, but sometimes they're not. So what coaching does is help you become aware of the thoughts that you're having, how those thoughts are making you feel and from that feeling, what you're doing or not doing. Hmm. Which gives you the results you're having in your life, you know? So if you can't really understand, if you don't have that ability to think about your own thinking, which kids don't usually, um, you're going to, coaching's not really going to be effective. So, but parents, parents have that ability and they have the ability to, Get a more a deeper understanding well first of all of themselves which is going to help their kids but also of what's really going on in their kids life meaning you know yeah their kids life their kids brains why their kid is doing what their kid is doing um and and how to help them so i transitioned out of clinical medicine into coaching parents um of, of kids
0: I have so many questions that come <laughs> that you just talked about but before we get into those juicy juicy questions um have there have has there any has there ever been any moments where you just said I quit I'm just gonna go get a nine to five I'm not gonna worry about this anymore I don't want to deal with coaching anymore I'm just gonna go work at a at a clinic and just just numb out
1: No, honestly, because I had a couple of medical jobs where I felt stifled. Uh, I couldn't really help the patients that I was trying to help uh, for for a whole variety of reasons. I'm US-based, so I'm here in the United States, obviously in Maine, and um, our medical system isn't great about in my opinion, isn't great about preventative care. Um, people, it, yeah. So there was a, I got bored, stifled, uh, frustrated, and frankly burnt out by our current medical system. You need to see this many patients. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. And, um, it just, it wasn't great for the patients. It's not great for the physicians. And so coaching was actually, a. Um, what an opening door like a a, a, like a, (laughs) a beacon of light so to speak it's just so powerful and so freeing and I I hope more and more and more people become aware of coaching because the the wonderful changes that I have experienced in my life not just my weight but just how I feel about life in general man I think everyone could benefit from that
0: Um, we won't veer off the theme of this, uh, of this topic, (laughs) uh, because I can get into, uh, how the, the, the Canadian hospital system is also failing as well.
1: Mm. (laughs) It's um, really sad and hard to see for our patients, for people who need help, want help. And it's just so frustrating, um, as a doctor. And I'm sure, as a patient, I mean, it's just a challenge right now.
0: Well, yeah, when the patient feels like a like a revolving door, I mean, it doesn't really mm-hmm. do anything for patient care. Um, and I know, I know quite a lot of doctors. I used to work in a hospital myself, and I know they they feel the same frustrations mm-hmm. as well. It's like, well, how are we supposed to take care of two? 50 to hundred patients at the same time. So it's, 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 and it's, it's hard. It's very difficult, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um keeping on the theme of the, the, the episode where we're talking about food and kids and parents and, and all that really, really, really important stuff. In my, my, my opinion, because it is if nutrition uh, starts from the house, and it goes outward. How has the modern food environment affecting, uh, affecting us somatically? Because our, I've heard this one, uh, this one stat that our gen, our genes, genes. Yes. Our DNA only goes through one transformation, one adaptation every thousand years. So how have, because we have gotten so fast and so, gone so far with our food, with our food uh, supply, how has, how is that affecting us as adults and what can we do for our kids to make sure that they, I don't want to say eliminate it from their diet because I think it's, a, I think that's an impossibility, but at least I'll make them aware and so that they can control it in their older years.
1: This is exactly the issue. And this is what um, I'm working on trying to educate people. Exactly what you're saying. Pa- us parents, we need to understand the modern food environment that we're that we're all living in, that we're all swimming in, and how our very ancient human body isn't designed to handle these highly processed ultra processed foods, and it's wreaking havoc on our, on our physical health, our mental health, uh, you know, in our bodies. So, you know, about 50 years ago, there wasn't very much childhood obesity at all. I don't have the exact stat, but I think it's something like 6% of kids in the 1960s, 1950s, 1960s, only 6% of children were considered overweight or obese. That's a very small percentage. Now it's the latest data, you know, is from 2017, 2018. So even pre-pandemic, um, it's somewhere between 20 and 30%. So in that 50 years, there's just been this increase, increase, increase in overweight. Um, and, and just what you're saying is our genes haven't changed At that time in that amount of time, you know, but what's changed is the food and and our bodies, you know, how I explain it to kids and parents, it's kind of like we have the same exact body um, as our ancestors say 250 years ago, or, you know, and we, you know, sometimes I ask kids, who's the oldest person you can think of? And sometimes they say their grandparent, and sometimes they think George Washington or Abraham Lincoln, and I'm like, good, okay. So what was Abraham Lincoln eating? You know, so if you go back and you look, there wasn't all of this highly processed foods. And so what's happening is these these foods that are designed by businesses in a lab somewhere, to make money for their company um they're not designed for our health right that's the first thing that i think kid you can educate your kid to that kids are very they don't like being tricked you know they're, they're very savvy to that like oh, okay so for example doritos you know my son loves doritos but what i say to him is like yeah they taste they taste really good and they're very easy to eat and overeat obviously but Dor. The people making Doritos aren't really concerned about your health at all. They're concerned about selling those Doritos. So they've made them with just the right amount of whatever inside of them. So you'll keep eating them. That's just good for you to know, because now you can choose whether you want to keep eating them or not. But what's happening, what's important for parents to understand is, why your kid loves all of that food, why you love all of that food too. It's our human brains evolutionarily over time grew to seek out sugar. And, you know, because two things, it gave us a quick, uh, gave it gives us pleasure through the dopamine pathway in our brain. We like that. And it's also It's also connected to the dopamine learning pathway in our brain where we eat it and we're like, oh, this is good, this tastes good, this is good for me and I want more of it. So, you know, that's when our ancestors would come across a patch of berries or find some apples in season on a tree or whatever. But now we're having that every single, 24 seven, you know, at the local convenience store, wherever we find that stuff and it's super concentrated so we're getting more dopamine so our brains are like oh this is even better oh this is even more strongly connected to like this is good for me so our bodies are just doing what they were designed to do keep us alive store energy for future hard times and but the problem is in today's world there are no hard times right? for for us you know for mostly for most people yeah. um it, meaning, like that, we're not starving. Uh, we're not going through long periods without nutrition. Um, so, like you said, I don't think you know the businesses are going to just all of a sudden stop selling these very unhealthy foods. I don't think Coca Cola is going to say, you know what? I think we've done enough damage. You know, I don't. I think I don't think they're they're ever going to. They're just they're going for the money. The only recourse that we have. Is to understand what's happening and choose wisely, you know, ha, it's fine to have some of that some of the time, but our bodies can't handle that most of the time.
0: Do you think that the US FDA um, should put stronger measures intact for these corporations to say, you know, what you guys are killing the people? Like they, they back off with all these uh, dyes and Colors and all this wish, stuff.
1: Yes, I wish. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you think about why does Coca-Cola even exist? It's so bad for people. It's it's created so many problems, and over in you know over in other countries and other parts of the world, it's wreaking havoc too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it there's not a single health benefit to drinking a a Coke. No, so, I, you know, so like why- Hundred <laughs> percent. But it's just for the it's just money. This yeah. is this is you know this is this is what we're facing. So this is what parents are facing. Um, and not to mention all the marketing that goes towards kids. Um, and this is the water that all parents are swimming in, myself included. I have an eleven-year-old son, Theo, and he loves all those things, you know. Um, and it's a challenge to constantly be be trying to figure out how to navigate you know the system but what I think we need to do kind of what we do already for drugs and alcohol with our kids cigarettes with our kids we start when they're young providing education to them these things aren't healthy for you you know and over the long term if if we or you keep eating them or using them your body may probably have some changes metabolic changes metabolic dysfunction that you might not want to have and so it's kind of like the same thing you know a, you know smokers you can smoke for 20 years or and and you might never develop cancer. You might never have a problem. It's probably not great for your body physiologically, but you might never, you know, develop that problem. You can eat, you know, these foods, you might not get overweight even. You might not even ever develop a weight problem, but it's still not good for you metabolically. You know, sometimes I see parents who, with very, with kids who are thin and very thin and, um, you know, average weight or normal weight kids, and their kids are eating all of these highly processed foods. But sometimes parents don't see that as a problem because they're not, their kids aren't having a weight problem or they're not having a weight problem yet. But still those, those foods are not good for those little kids' bodies, metabolic health, at all.
0: Playing devil's advocate just a little bit here. um yeah. There's a lot of people in America and in Canada, and I'm sure around the world, where the parents they're working like two two jobs just to make ends meet. Both parents. It's like, where are they going to find the time to cook a healthy meal and prepare it properly and do all this and do all that? It takes time to make a to make a meal, so. Uh, from I agree with you I agree that you know what uh food starts at the home and it's the parents responsibility to uh make sure that the kids are eating properly but when both parents are working two jobs just to make ends meet it's it it can get very difficult
1: I 100% agree and I I empathize and you know I'm a only parent I'm a single parent to my my son his dad lives um in a different country even so when I used to have my clinical job sometimes I would work 24 hours in a row and uh and it's hard to come home and cook and it's I I get it I and it's expensive to shop it's a pain I one thing that I don't like is going to the grocery store so frequently you know it's much easier to buy stuff that you can just keep in your cabinet and use you know I don't like going to the grocery store all the time however this is this is just a choice and a decision and a priority that we have to make you know you have to say like well how what's going to be what are going to be the results of what I'm doing right now and for my child, for my family, for myself. And, you know, I think that that's a, it's just a, it's a, you have to start somewhere and inch your way, one little step forward, one little step forward. What can I do today? What can I do? How can I do this? Can I spend an hour, you know, can I find an hour somewhere prepping vegetables or prepping dinner? Um, Also, like a good tool is meal planning. I think that helps super busy parents eat well and stay true to their goals, plan your meals in advance. And that way you already know what you're going to have for dinner. So when things go sideways at your job, and you're like, ah, you know, oh my gosh, you know, now it's six o'clock, and I'm right, I'm late, and the kids are this and here, you know, you're already like, okay, no, I've, I've planned we're having. You know, roasted chicken or whatever, and then you just you follow your plan instead of getting takeout or you know veering off for a more comfort food or a a less healthy choice, so to speak. It's it's not easy. I I a hundred, and this is the problem. This is this is why we're at where we're at. You know, and the other, it's just so much easier to get takeout or go through the drive-through or buy the you know buy the processed foods that can sit in your cupboard so i agree it's 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 not easy but we need to we need to do it and we have to make it a priority for the health of our kids to prevent problems for them down the line Mm -hmm. and also for ourselves, like to keep ourselves healthy as our parent as the parents and help our kids
0: at what point does does it become um important for the kid to say you know what mom or dad um i want a home-cooked meal at what point does that does that come into play
1: that would be wonderful if kids would do that Um, (laughs) (laughs) i haven't quite figured out how to get my son to that place yet um but this is this is we just went on it was just school vacation so we went to visit Um, a close friend of mine down in South Carolina and she has a son too, but because we were kind of on vacation and having fun, we ate out a lot. And after like two days of that, I was just like, Oh, you know, I want to, I want to cook something like that's going to really taste good and make me feel better (laughs) after I eat it. Um, But my son was not really ready for that. He was loving all the things, you know, out. And so I, I don't think we can expect our kids to do that. Some kids might be able to do that, but not every kid is gonna be able to do that. Um and I I think what we're really trying to go for, what I what I think is the one of the goals of of teaching your kid about nutrition. And yes, it's nutrition, um, but it's also like healthy habits, you know, a healthy lifestyle is nutrition, sleep, getting good sleep, um, moving your body, um, and also learning emotional regulation skills. So this, it's, nutrition is so important. And, uh, but also all of these other things are also super important too. But what I think is the best approach is teaching your kid, teaching your children what you want them to learn over time and developmentally as their brain matures, you know, from 10 years old to 14 years old to 16 years old, what we really want for them is to want to live a healthy lifestyle. You know, I have so many parents say to me, how do I get my kid to eat more vegetables? Or how do I get my kid to stop vaping? Or, you know, how do I get my kid to get off his phone? And the more important or the bigger question is, how do we get our kids to want to stop vaping? How do we get them to want to exercise, to want to go to bed on time, you know? And so that speaks to intrinsic motivation. And what that depends on is helping the child or the teen or the adolescent understand that the choices that they're making are are tied to the consequences or the results that they're going to experience. You know, for example, if you stay up until two am, the next day and maybe two days or three days after that, you're gonna be tired. And so helping them understand, do you like feeling tired or do you you know helping them understand that their choices and the consequences of their choices. And a lot of that is trial and error. They have, you know, they're going to have to make mistakes, quote, quote, mistakes. Um, And as parents, we have to allow them that autonomy. And we have, us parents have to learn how to manage our own emotions and our own thoughts and feelings when our child is making a choice that we really wish they weren't making. Um, And we know that they really, frankly, would be better off if they didn't make that choice. But we have to figure out a way to stay connected to them, be supportive of them, have empathy for them, allow them to go through that learning curve, but yet keep on with our message of, you know, I'm here and I'm going to educate you as to what I think is the healthiest, you know, the way for you to stay the, the healthiest and happiest as possible.
0: Speaking of education, at what point do the schools uh, play a role in this? Because the kids for about, I'd say like just about a third of the day, they're in, they're in class while well, they're supposed to be in class and supposed to be learning. Um, food and concentration are go hand in hand first and foremost and if you see some of the foods that that the cafeterias serve i don't know how it is in america i don't know how it is in maine but i know here here it's terrible yeah terrible like you can get like um deep fried chicken fingers at the high school right across from from Mm -hmm. in the the cafeteria Mm -hmm. so at what point does does the education system have to come in play and say you know what for at least one meal you're going to get you're going to get a good meal just so you can focus and concentrate in, in, on on your studies
1: well that would be wonderful but here we're back, we're right back to the same question who runs the who you know at least in the United States like the government funds the public schools and the government chooses what foods you know they're going to supply or you know to the i think the school systems have some wiggle room in that but there's all of these policies that support the 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 food systems in the school you know so you have like i think it's the usda and i i'm really not an expert in this kind of thing but you know for example you know who's ever making the food regulations you know the food pyramid or the my plate now they have my plate um but They're the same people who are subsidizing the farmers to make corn, you know, grow corn, which is immediately turned into high fructose corn syrup. So the the, the same people are making these recommendations for our kids to eat who are supporting the very foods that are causing so much damage in our kids and and ourselves and our adults. So yeah, it'd be wonderful if the schools i e. slash government would step in and um change what they're offering our kids um, but I, I again, I don't think that that's going to happen.
0: Yeah, I don't think so either. yeah, again, it falls back on the parent, right instead of uh giving the giving little Johnny and little Jenny school uh lunch money, pack them a lunch.
1: Yeah, that would be great. And, and then, you know, the same thing, you know, my son is, is now at this age where he bikes around town, and he's, you know, in school, and he can choose, you know, foods on his own. Um, And it's just, you know, so it's for me, I've decided I don't want to be so controlling of him. You can't do that. I'm, you know, I'm telling your teachers, I'm telling the school, they can't serve you. You know, I am allowing him to make these choices. And I'm trying to educate him. I I am educating him. You know, I can't tell how much is. (laughs) 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 Sometimes yesterday I saw him with a big snow cone in his hand, because it was, you know, it was little league opening day here in America, or at least in our town yesterday. And, you know, they had a little league game. And then to sell it, quote, celebrate, they gave the kids free tickets to a food truck. And the food, one of the most popular food trucks there was the snow cone thing. So it's just ice with sugar, a multicolored dyed sugar. And I, I can tell you there's 250 kids, probably 200 kids chose that food truck, yeah, you know. And so that's. That's not the government that's that's our that's our society that's our culture that's our culture thinking food adds fun like sugary foods is a reward oh it's a treat this is gonna make opening day this is gonna make little league opening day even better you know that that's a cultural shift that we can make ourselves you know i what i'm trying to show my son and teach parents is that food is just food. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make something better. It doesn't make your day better. It doesn't make, you know, and in fact, you know, when you put it all together, the consequences of eating that could in fact make your day down the line a lot worse. Um, but we we still reward ourselves. This is emotional eating. This is, this is what we're talking about, right? We're talking any, you know, emotional eating is eating for any reason other than other than you're truly physically hungry you know so if you're truly physically hungry after playing little league you really snow cone is not really option number one to fuel your body in a way that your body needs so the snow cone was just for fun and adding enjoyment but it's just such a complex message that we're sending these kids um, all the time
0: but at some point, it's kind of important to have the junk. Like it, it, it's, uh, I, f- I find it hard to, especially with kids. Like I remember my, when I was a kid, playing on my grandmother's street, um, we were running up and down. We, myself, my sister, my cousins, my friends, we were all high on sugar. We would buy these tubes filled with sugar, colored sugar, and we would yeah. just drink it like it was a drink and then have a coke on top of it just to wash it down so but those were good days like I remember those days like I it was there were a lot of fun because we were all high on sugar I mean okay we all have cavities because because of it we probably have some underlying issues because of it but whatever it was it were just but were
1: were you having fun maybe you were having so much fun because you're with your friends it and you're could, running around. What about the kids in the 1940s and 1950s who were running around without Coca-Cola and without those Pixie Sticks or whatever you're talking about? Like, they're having fun. Kids have had fun all along.
0: No, I know, I know, but I'm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you. Coming from the health from from the health uh, industry, I agree with you that you know what sugar is not a good thing for kids. But I'm just saying, like. Sometimes a kid just has to be a kid and just enjoy the sugar sometimes.
1: Okay, so there, that thought that you're having, that, you know, you're tying being a kid with eating sugar. You, oh, it's, you know, like, just be a kid, just eat sugar, just let them have fun. I, that and that thought is really not not a truth it's not a fact that you you know to be a kid you need to eat sugar and you know i'm not advocating we take all of our sugar away from kids or we clamp down a hundred percent and refuse to let them you know eat any of that stuff but what i am saying is you know and here in america at least we have 20 we'll go with the low end one in five kids is overweight slash obese Mm -hmm. and we're not talking about I don't care about the way your child looks or their physical appearance but it's what's going on inside their body that it's metabolically the metabolic changes that are going on that are leading to that extra weight gain those are dangerous over time for your child and so kind of lost my train of thought there but (laughs) 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 Sorry, but I just, I just don't think that I think that that thought that all of us parents have, which I used to have that thought myself too, like, oh, it's just kids, let them have fun, you know, whatever. Yes, but is there a way to have fun with, you know, every day without this kind of, you know. Harm that we're causing our kids I that's what I think is it's just important for parents to know that. Down the line, to, you know, over time, the food choices, they are creating harm in in the vast majority, I mean, look at the adult populations, you know, and and they started as kids, you know. Yeah, even these kids who are thin. So it's really not about weight. It's about health. And that's what I'm saying to people all the time. Like, we can just take weight, we can take BMI off the table. I don't care. It's not about the size. It's not about the what you look like. It's about how you feel, number one, and and your long term health and preserving that for our kids.
0: I agree with you because there's more, there's more to, there's more to that story than just, you know, letting a kid be a kid and just eat sugar because, Mm. uh, it will lead to mental, uh, being Mm. able to deal with your emotions when you're an adult, as an adult, um, it, you know, eating a lot, tons of sugar when you're a kid could potentially, I'm really reaching, reaching for this one could lead to depression later on in your life. Um, I'm really reaching on that one. I have nothing to base it on. I have no studies to base it on. I'm just thinking of all the damage that the sugar is doing to neural pathways in the brain. Um, like th- there's a lot of bad stuff that can happen. I- I'm just trying. I'm just, I'm just, I-, I look at my two nephews, for example, and they're two different boys. Okay. Same parents, two very different boys. One. One. The older the older one, he he likes his sugar, but he would rather go for a healthy snack. The younger one only wants sugar. Mm. It's just how they were, how they how how they grew up. Like it, it's 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 hard to to push the young one to say, you know what, have the apple instead of the lollipop. His you know?
1: brain, yeah, they're different. They're wired differently and we all are, everybody's response is slightly different. And, you know, that's that's why in the past, this shaming um, of overweight of people who are overweight, oh, it's a, you know, it's a personal failure. You just didn't make the right choices. You're, there's something wrong with you, you know, just, you know, you know, that that has been so damaging to so many people. And because it's just not true, all of our, I'm the the same way. I'm one of five kids and I was eating the same thing as my brothers and sisters. And, you know, for example, just one of my sisters remained very thin her entire childhood. And I was not, I was overweight as a 10 year old and we're same family, same parents. And we're, our bodies are just wired differently. and so we have to accept, or we have to recognize that. And there's a—I don't know if you've read anything by Gary Tobes. He's written—he's oh. written some really wonderful books. Um, but he uses this phrase: "Those of us that fatten easily." <laughs> and I kind of really like that because it—there are there are a group of people that would eat something, and their body is predisposed to store that ener- extra energy as fat. Whereas somebody else can eat the same thing and not have a, not gain weight. So that's another thing to just become aware of. Oh, I think I am a person who tends to gain easily. It's kind of like, you have to look at that like, oh, I'm a person, you know, my final adult height is five one. I wish it wasn't. I wish I was six feet tall, but I'm not. I'm short. And um, so I just have to okay, so how do I work with that? You know, oh, I have brown hair, I have brown eyes. These are things I accept about myself. And the same thing, oh, I'm a person who tends to gain easily. So what do I have to do to create the situation I want for myself?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, let's uh, switch gears a little bit from little kids. And let's get into the very, um, I want to say, challenging part of a human's life, their teenage years. Uh, There's a lot that's happening in teenagers, from hormonal imbalances, hormonal changes, to uh, understanding that life isn't fair, to understanding that being part of certain groups will help you get more further in life than other certain groups which is which again falls into the life isn't fair and to add in all this food this easy to consume food now i know teenagers these days i don't know how it is in maine but here in uh, here in, in toronto most teenagers do not have jobs uh, I know when I was a teenager, I was working it from the age the tender age of fourteen illegally. <laughs> um, so now I have an influx of money, which I can buy food more easily and stuff more easily. How would you um, how would you talk to a teenager so that they can understand, you know what? You're still not out of the woods with with a with a sugar thing. Try to make better decisions with your with uh with 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 what goes into your mouth. At least control that.
1: Yeah, this is this is a very challenging topic for sure. And for kids. The, and a teenager's brain yes more developed than a you know than an 11 year old brain but still not fully developed and you know their prefrontal cortex is not done maturing until 25 26 years old So education parental education to or you know a physician education to the child or to the teen about the potential harms of sugar or why we think you shouldn't be eating this much processed foods and at the same time, okay, this is why we think, you know, eating more fruits and vegetables are good for you, eating more protein, drinking water instead of soda or sports energy drinks. So educating them to what their body actually needs and potentially the harms of the, the other choices they're making. I also think you know, educating them to why they're kind of craving might be the wrong word, but why their brain is suggesting to them to stop at the convenience store and buy the candy, you know uh, and and that their our brains are wired for sugar. We're wired for that dopamine hit, but we can override that and 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 that's the way we are gonna create health for ourselves, stay healthy, um, and and sleep is so important for teenagers. Um, most teenagers are un- get, not getting enough sleep. And when you're not getting enough sleep, your body uh, has some hormonal changes that actually make you hungrier. Um, for 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 kind of un, less healthy food, so to speak. Um, so just, I think it's just health education on all of these things. And kind of like we said before, the same thing we do for alcohol and cigarettes and drugs with our kids, we're educating them and then they are going out into the world by themselves and they are making their choices. Um, And so we as parents stay connected to them, stay understanding, stay curious about why they're making the choices and help them make the connections between the choices that they're making and how they're feeling in their body, how things are going at school, their relationships with their friends and teachers and coaches um, and trying to help them connect you know what they're choosing to do with how the experience of their life is going.
0: You said something there, and I want to touch up on this a little bit deeper. Um, it brought up it brought up the thought of uh, when you when you said energy drinks. Um, I remember when I was a teenager in high school. Uh, I apologize, my camera's acting up right now.
1: That's totally fine. I was thinking it was my problem because of the we're get, just getting a ton of rain right now.
0: No, it's my camera. My camera's okay. just being bad. No problem. <laughs> um when I was when I was in high school, I remember looking uh Gatorade had just come out and I think it was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins was had created it and he created all of these amazing studies and this and that and how great uh gatorade was um and we just find out later on it was just sugar and water Mm
1: -hmm. with food
0: coloring Mm -hmm. so how do we i don't want to say how do we protect teenagers because at that at that stage in a teenager's life i don't think he can protect anybody
1: (laughs) well this is this is the problem so you know the education educate them that so for example, the American Heart Association, you know, um, CDC, Center for Disease Control, the daily recommended amount of grams of sugar for someone who's 2 years old to 19 years old or, you know, into adulthood is 24, 20, or 25 grams of sugar total in one day. Um, a Gatorade, has, well, different depending, but you know, the last Gatorade bottle that I looked at the label, it had 39 grams of sugar in that one bottle. And that doesn't even talk about the dyes and all the chemicals and, you know, so yeah, it's called Gatorade, I think, because the Florida Gators, which is a a Florida, like one of the college teams. Yeah, Yeah. and those, those, those football players, are out in the Florida sun exercising, you know, eight hours a day in preseason, I think, and then they develop this drink with electrolytes and sugar to kind of keep them hydrated and keep them going. But, you know, most of the most people drinking those are, are not under those strenuous um, circumstances.
0: My, my My question was going to go towards the influencers, the athletes, the models, the um uh the high uh the high high ranking people out there that are pushing these products. How yeah. do you tell how do you tell the teenager, look, they're just they're just getting a paycheck out of this, you know?
1: Yeah. It, yeah, it's the same thing. You know, yes. Why do you think I don't even know who's advertising Gatorade right now, but uh you and I've been talking a little bit of hockey. And at least here in the United States, they are pushing this gambling um i don't know if that's going on yeah. in Canada, but they're three, bet
0: 365 or something and yeah, they have,
1: or something oh, like that here
0: they have like wayne gretzky and connor yeah and wayne gretzky,
1: like, come some on. of these idols like oh my gosh why are you telling people to gamble <laughs> i mean it's just so fr- it's so disappointing honestly to tell you the truth and so, yeah, so when I'm watching hockey with my son, I'm saying, you know, these these are big celebrities telling people, you know, to do this. And it's fun, looks fun or whatever, but they're they're telling people to do that. They're just getting money. They're just getting paid. It's just money in their pocket. And unfortunately they haven't decided that it's not worth it for them, you know, It's not, it's money is everybody, everybody wants money.
0: Yeah. uh, Wayne Gretzky, uh, Wayne Wayne Gretzky wasn't somebody that I looked up to as a kid. Uh, I think it's after he left Edmonton, I lost interest in. (laughs) That happened to Tom
1: Brady with my dad, with Tom Brady after he left the New England Patriots. My dad was like, (laughs) we're done, we're totally done. (laughs) <laughs> it's really more of a broken heart than anything else. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, for me, it's it's interesting because I was in high school when he got traded, and um, and I and and I, that's when I realized he has no loyalty. These influencers out there, yeah. they have no loyalty. Yeah, it's
1: a job, yeah,
0: yeah. They're, but, they're also lo- the,
1: but also, you know, Edmonton would trade him if it was gonna work out for him. So, you know, you I, for me at least, uh, you know, I don't think it's, sometimes it's the players, yes, but also it's the clubs. They're just businessmen, you know, the The team, we're here in Maine, we love the Boston Bruins, that's our people. And, uh, you know, Cam Neely and Don Sweeney, they'll trade anybody, you know, if it's, if it's gonna benefit them. It's not personal, it's that's, they're protecting their business. And so the players, protect themselves and yeah. they're just getting the money that they can while they can get it but it's not helpful for our kids for sure you know yeah,
0: because here's these these uh these um these influencers yeah. and these kids are they're they fall in love with the influencer they do 100 it's it's human nature yeah um and uh it's it's sad, and for me, it was it was heartbreaking to see Wayne Gretzky leave the Edmonton Oilers to go to the LA Kings, and I realized there's no loyalty in this world anymore. <laughs> there isn't. There really isn't. I'm like, and it made me even happier when the Edmonton Oilers uh, won the Stanley Cup. I think it was two seasons after. Mm. I made it made me it made it so much sweeter. Yeah, so much sweeter. I am uh in the western conference i am an oilers fan i still am but here sorry i'm a leafs fan
1: yeah <laughs> I know. congratulations by the way <laughs> thank you but
0: we'll see we'll see if they if they play the way they played last night they're done, they're
1: done. well they made it through the first round so that's so good
0: yeah yeah
1: <laughs> Yeah, this is the problem. So we, this is what parents are, are struggling with. And um, I think for me, I'm just at a place where I accept that you have to come to some kind of acceptance of the world that we're living in. And then what I say to myself is I'm going to control what I can control, yeah. which is what I do. Which is how I show up for my son, how I educate my son, you know, kind of the the values we have as a family, um, and because that's the only thing I can control. The truth the truth is, even though my son is only eleven, I can't control him. You know, even if you have a two year old, you really can't control a two year old. You know, every human has their own agency. So we. We can influence them. We can guide them. You know, we want to be kind of the co-pilot to their, but they're really the pilot of their own life Um, and and accepting that. And you know, accepting that actually is so powerful for the parent too. It's very freeing. Um, And you're not like, fine, I accept it. Do whatever you want to do. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is like, okay, my son or my daughter, they're on their own journey. I'm going to support them, stay connected to them, stay loving them, stay helping them. And I'm going to be watching and seeing what they do and who they really are and letting them live their life.
0: Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Amen Mm. to that. Um, We are coming close to the end of the show. And these are the seven or eight questions I ask all my guests. And i just like to get your perspective on these seven or eight topics. With the increase in people suffering from depression from the past two to three years of the uncertainty that we've been living through, what would be the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up?
1: Well, for... I think one thing that's been helpful for me in the past when I've been f- having some issues, you know, so some period, low periods, so to speak, is to really understand that um, nothing is permanent, things change. So while you're feeling, while you might be feeling low or depressed now, it doesn't mean you're always going to be feeling that way. Um, that was, that was, important for me even though it's really hard to accept when you're not feeling that good um it is it actually really is the truth because under, look at it like when we're happy or something's going great we feel you know we just get a promotion or you know whatever and you're feeling great but that feeling great doesn't last forever either that fades away over time so trying to keep it and trying to keep it in perspective and for kids, what I, what I help parents understand is that we need to educate our kids when they're young that half of life, <laughs> probably 50, you know, 50-50, the 50-50 of life, 50% of life is like on the easier to tolerate emotion side of things, happy, you know, calm, peaceful. And then the other half is kind of the less, the more challenging feelings to feel, um, but it's normal to not feel happy all the time. It's normal to have some levels of depression. if If it's interfering with your daily life, if it's causing, you know, if it's causing lots of problems for you, then that then you need to go to your doctor and seek extra help or you know get therapy. Um, but it's normal. Sometimes my son is like, you know, whatever, you know, mad, sad, doesn't want to go to school. And I'm like, it's normal. It's normal to feel that way. You're not mm-hmm. supposed to feel happy all the time. I had a patient one time tell, or a mom tell me, this was the whole premise of the visit was that she felt like her daughter, her teenager should be happier than she was. The mother estimated that her child was happy, uh, like, yeah, about 50% of the time, but the mom in her own mind said, you know, I'm thinking she should be happy 80% of the time. She goes, for example, we just got a new puppy and she's happy about the puppy and she plays with the puppy, but she's not quite as happy as I think she should be about the puppy, Mm -hmm. you know, and it is really like, you know, um, I don't want to say heartwarming, but, you know, I think this as parents, we, we do want our kids to be happy all the time. You know, we do want, you know, other people, our friends, our parents, we do want other people to be happy. That would be so wonderful. Wouldn't it be, you know, but the truth is it's not real life. And frankly, if you're happy all the time, you you have nothing to compare it to. So you wouldn't even know you're happy all the time. Mm -hmm. But I think preparing your child that life is this whole spectrum of feelings. And we, you know, like ride waves up and down of all of these feelings. And it's normal to have negative feelings, half of the time.
0: Cool. What's the one thing that you do daily that amplifies your ability to stay focused?
1: I make sure that I get good sleep. I sleep if I'm not rested well, my focus is is challenged. And I spent years of my life, literally 20 years, uh, as a physician, um, up all night at times. You know, getting terrible sleep. For 10 years, I had a job where I would work the day shift and then the night shift. Day shift, night shift, day shift, night shift. I have, honestly have very, sometimes have very little recollection from some of those years. Because my, because my sleep was so terrible. You know, one day I'd be working 7am to 7pm. The next, the next day, 7pm to 7am up all night. So sleep to me is something also that if you're an adult, and you're not getting seven to nine hours of sleep. If you prioritize that before you even change anything you eat or trying to get yourself to exercise, if you haven't been exercising for a long time, you prioritize your sleep. You are going to feel so much better. I mean, sleep is so magical for so much health improvement. It is to me, the lowest hanging fruit, you know, sometimes parents, especially parents of younger kids, like, They've been through a rough day. They finally get their child to bed and then they just be like, Oh, I need some me time. I need to, I just need to, you know, they flick on Netflix or whatever, and just kind of zone out. But if you, instead of doing that, if you went to bed and got, you know, instead of watching Netflix or scrolling for an hour, an hour and a half, you got that extra sleep. You are going to experience so many health benefits, mood benefits. Physi- you know it's just incredible so sleep is so powerful
0: yes 100 percent um there's all there's other health benefits of leaving the screen off
1: oh totally yeah
0: yeah uh if you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old what would you tell yourself
1: oh, <laughs> um That's a hard question that's that's tough. <laughs> I guess i would I would tell myself, you're already a hundred percent valuable. you're already a hundred percent worthy. There's nothing you need to do to be more valuable because I think you know. That is such an important message. I tell all my my well I tell my patients, but I tell my son um, this all the time. as a human, you're born, you know, perfectly valuable. There's nothing you need to do. You don't need to earn a degree to be more valuable or to be more worthy. You don't need to lose weight to be more acceptable, to be more valuable. You're already there. And from that place of your cup already being full, then what do you want to do to evolve and grow and stretch and live your life? Because sometimes, you know, I think especially as a 20 year old for me, I just felt sometimes and I was overweight 20 year old. So I felt less than I felt like what, you know, not quite not valuable in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, anyways, that's, I guess what I would say, looking back,
0: looking back, would you change anything?
1: (laughs) Um, it's hard to say, you know, I guess I'll just say no. Yes, of course I would change things. Um, but if, you know, I, I appreciate what I have right now. So when I look at my, you know, just lovely 11 year old son, if I look back and say, Oh, you know, i I probably wouldn't become a doctor. I probably wouldn't have gone to, if I, if, for, if, for example, I changed that thing about myself, then I, I probably wouldn't have my exact son who I have right now, you know? So I guess I'll, I'll say no. Um, and of course, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> tweaks, uh, tweaks along the way, right?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh,
0: what scares you?
1: Well, bringing it back to my work, I'm scared about our health. I'm scared about the world that we're living in right now with this food system, and um, and and how us doctors and the medical system aren't doing. And it may be because our hands are tied and all of the things, but our patients are suffering emotionally, physically, and it's getting worse and people's health is getting worse. And if, if people don't take control of their own health and understand what's going on, um, I think that that's just going to keep getting worse. So that's a little, that's fright. I'm frightened for the children's health, honestly. You know, for example, you know, all of these adult type, all of these adult di- uh, uh, diseases, type two diabetes, um, fatty liver disease, heart disease, high blood pressure, um, sleep apnea. These are things we used to only see in adults, but now they're shifting down to younger and younger ages because of the lifestyle. So, and when you don't have your health, you don't have m- much else. You know, if you have, if you are unhealthy and not feeling good and you have $2 million in the bank, you probably don't care, you know, because you can't do what you want to do, you know, so health is so valuable.
0: Yeah. And we can go off on another podcast on what you just said. Yeah. Um, Where do you see? sheila carroll md coaching in the next five years
1: well i would love more and more parents to just become um introduced to the idea of coaching um and so i'm hoping you know going on podcasts like yours um i coaching is just so powerful and is such a game changer and it's so accessible and uh easy to do, um, and all the skills and tools that you can learn with coaching up level your life. So my goal, you know, especially with my business is trying to help the kids, but also help the parents, uh, enjoy their life and enjoy their kids more. So I'm, uh, that's, you know, for the next five years, I'm just going to be working on trying to spread this message and empower parents uh, as much as I can.
0: Very cool. Uh, How about you personally? Where do you see yourself in the next five years?
1: Um, I let's see. I'm 55, so I will be going, getting six, being 60 in the next five years. My son's 11, so he'll be 16 or 17, and he'll still be in high school. You know, the truth is, John, I'm I'm really happy. Uh, I love I love where we live. I love what I'm doing for work. I'm so. Uh, happy with uh, my son and our relationship and so I hope you know for the next five years if I, you know if I can be kind of where at where I'm at right now I'm I'm I'll be really thrilled with that too
0: awesome Uh, where can people find more about you
1: I have a website it's my whole name Sheila Carol md.com um, that's probably the easiest place I'm also on Instagram I'm just getting used to um being on instagram uh at sheila Carroll md um those are the, probably the easiest places
0: cool uh we'll post all the links for people to have easy access oh, to you, you and your content and uh if they need to reach out to you to have a conversation we'll post those links uh, with the show notes as well thank you john any final thoughts
1: no this has been a great conversation so wide reaching um and this is just such a important topic, and so I really want to thank you for talking with me and and all your thoughts and insights.
0: Well, thank you for coming on the show. Um, I think this is a very important topic to to have. Um, even for a lot of men that are down and out, the uh, one potential reason why they may be de- may be down and out is because they don't know what to do with you know their kids if they have kids. Um, it, it's uh. It, it's a big uh, for any self-respecting man out there. I mean, you are the corner, cornerstone of your family, and if you can't if you can't support your family, what kind of for me at least, what kind of a man are you? And uh, and and if if that's weighing down on you, um, to have a conversation with uh, with, with you to for for us to have this conversation, just to bring it up to the forefront, maybe it might help another man to say, you know what, maybe I need to get at least the food part maybe that's the thing that I need to control. So I think it's, um, I admire you for coming out and talking about this, uh, this topic, because like I said, it's, it is a very important topic to have to uh, important discussion to have. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate that.
1: Thank you, John. Thanks.
0: Going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before, and you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or good night, wherever you may be in this crazy world. Hey guys, John from Resilient Reboot Productions and the Fitness Oracle. I just wanted to thank you for watching this episode and I really do hope that you enjoyed it. Please don't forget to subscribe, hit that bell and share this episode if you are watching this on YouTube or on Rumble. If you are listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker FM or whatever streaming service that you may be using, please give us a five-star rating and a positive review as it will help us reach out to more people that are suffering from mental health issues. Now, if you haven't done so already, um, I am offering access to a free weekly newsletter that we send out every Sunday and it would, and it's jam packed with podcasting tips and health and wellness tips to keep you balanced um, in the podcasting and content creating space. So if you haven't done so already, sign up to this free newsletter it's uh it's totally free and it also gives you access to the uh the fitness oracle private community in mighty networks where we talk about this episode we talk about how to implement how you have implemented these uh lessons that you've picked up in your life and how it's impacted your life and we are working on a lot of great other um um programs and, and, uh, support systems for you guys to be able to, uh, to access. So if you haven't done so already, sign up to the newsletter and, uh, I'll see you guys on the inside.